Section 39, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christian Plasberg. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 39. When it was the two hundred and thirty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Badur, the master of the horse and the owner of the house, came to the door of the saloon and found it open, he entered slowly and softly, and looking in, with head advanced and outstretched neck, saw Amjad and the girl sitting before the dish of fruit and the wine-jar in front of them. Now Amjad at that moment had the cup in his hand, and his face turned to the door and when his glance met Badura's eyes, his hue turned pale yellow, and his side muscles quivered. So seeing his trouble, Badura signed to him with his finger on his lips, as much as to say, Be silent, and come hither to me. Whereupon he set down the cup and rose, and the damsel cried, Whither away? He shook his head, and signing to her that he wished to make water, went out into the passage barefoot. Now when he saw Badura, he knew him for the master of the house. So he hastened to him, and kissing his hand, said to him, Allah upon thee, O Lord, ere thou do me a hurt, hear what I have to say. Then he told him who he was from first to last, and acquainted him with what caused him to quit his native land and royal state, and how he had not entered his house of his free will, but that it was the girl who had broken the lock-bolt and done all this. When Badur heard his story and knew that he was a king's son, he felt for him, and taking compassion on him, said, Hearken to me, O Amjad, and do what I bid thee, and I will guarantee thy safety from that thou fearest. But if thou cross me, I will kill thee. Amjad replied, Command thee as thou wilt. I will not gainsay thee in aught. No, never, for I am the freedman of thy bounty. Rejoined Badur, then go back forthwith into the saloon, sit down in thy place, and be at peace and shine ease. I will presently come into thee, and when thou seest me, remember my name is Badur, do thou revile me, and rail at me, saying, What made thee tarry till so late, and accept no excuse from me? Nay, so far from it, rise and beat me, and if thou spare me, I will do away thy life. Enter now, and make merry, and whatsoever thou seekest of me at this time I will bring thee forthwith, and do thou spend this night as thou wilt, and on the morrow wend thy way. This I do in honour of the strangerhood, for I love the stranger, and hold myself bounder to do him devoir. So Amjad kissed his hand, and returning to the saloon with his face clad in its natural white and red, at once said to the damsel, O my mistress, thy presence hath gladdened this shine own place, and ours is indeed a blessed night. Quoth the girl, Verily I see a wonderful change in thee, that thou now welcomest me so cordially. So Amjad answered, By Allah, O my lady, methought my servant Badur had robbed me of some necklaces of jewels worth ten thousand diners each. However, when I went out but now in concern for this, I sought for them and found them in their place. I know not why the slave tarrieth so long, and needs must I punish him for it. She was satisfied with his answer, and they sported and drank and made merry, and ceased not to be so till near sundown. When Badur came in to them, having changed his clothes and girt his middle and put on shoes, shoes as are worn of Mamelukes, he saluted and kissed the ground, then held his hands behind him and stood, with his head hanging down, as one who confesseth to a fault. 
So Amjad looked at him with angry eyes and asked, Why hast thou tarried till now, O most pestilent of slaves? Answered Badur, O my lord, I was busy washing my clothes and knew not of thy being there, for our appointed time was nightfall and not daytide. But Amjad cried out at him, saying, Thou liest, O vilest of slaves! By Allah, I must needs beat thee. So he rose, and throwing Badur prone on the ground, took a stick and beat him gently. But the damsel sprang up, and snatching the stick from his hand, came down upon Badur so lustily, that in extreme pain the tears ran from his eyes, and he ground his teeth together and called out for a succor, whilst Amjad cried out to the girl, Don't! And she cried out, Let me satisfy my anger upon him, till at last he pulled the stick out of her hand and pushed her away. So Badur rose, and wiping away his tears from his cheeks, waited upon them the while, after which he swept the hall and lighted the lamps. But as often as he went in and out, the lady abused him and cursed him till Amjad was wroth with her, and said, For almighty Allah's sake, leave my Mameluke, he is not used to this. Then they sat and ceased not eating and drinking, and Badur waiting upon them till midnight, when, being weary with service and beating, he fell asleep in the midst of the hall, and snored and snorted. Whereupon the damsel, who was drunk with wine, said to Amjad, Arise, take the sword hanging yonder, and cut me off this slave's head and if thou do it not, I will be the death of thee. What possesseth thee to slay my slave? asked Amjad. And she answered, Our joyance will not be complete but by his death. If thou wilt not kill him, I will do it myself. By Allah's rights to thee, do not this thing. Quoth she, It must perforce be, and taking down the sword, drew it and made it by door to kill him. But Amjad said in his mind, this man hath entreated us courteously, and sheltered us, and done us kindness, and made himself my slave. Shall we requite him by slaughtering him? This shall never be. Then he said to the woman, If my Mameluke must be killed, better I should kill him than thou. So saying, he took the sword from her, and, raising his hand, smote her on the neck, and made her head fly from her body. It fell upon Badur, who awoke, and sat up and opened his eyes, when he saw Amjad standing by him, and in his hand the sword died with blood, and the damsel lying dead. He inquired what had passed, and Amjad told him all she had said, adding, Nothing would satisfy her, but she must slay thee, and this is her reward. Then Badur arose, and kissing the prince's hand, said to him, Would to heaven thou hadst spared her! But now there is nothing for it but to rid us of her without stay or delay, before the daybreak. Then he girded his loins, and took the body, wrapped it in an abba cloak, and laying it in a large basket of palm leaves, he shouldered it, saying, Thou art a stranger here, and knowest no one, so sit thou in this place, and await my return till daybreak. If I come back to thee, I will assuredly do thee great good service, and use my endeavours to have news of thy brother. But if by sunrise I return not, Know that all is over with me, and peace beyond thee, and the house and all it containeth of stuffs and money are shine. Then he fared forth from the saloon, bearing the basket, and threading the streets he made for the salt sea, thinking to throw it therein. But as he drew near the shore, he turned and saw that the chief of police and his officers had ranged themselves around him, and on recognizing him they wondered and opened the basket, wherein they found the slain woman. So they seized him, and laid him in bilbos all that night till the morning, when they carried him and the basket, as it was, to the king, and reported the case. The king was sore enraged when he looked upon the slain, and said to Badur, Woe to thee! Thou art always so doing. 
Thou killest folk, and castest them into the sea, and takest their goods. How many murders hast thou done ere this? Thereupon Badur hung his head, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and thirty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Badur hung down his head groundwards before the king, who cried out at him, saying, Woe to thee! Who killed this girl? He replied, O my lord, I killed her, and there is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. So the king in his anger commanded to hang him, and the hangman went down with him by the king's commandment, and the chief of police accompanied him with a crier who called upon all the folk to witness the execution of Badur, the king's master of the horse. And on this wise they paraded him through the main streets and the market streets. This is how it fared with Badur. But as regards Amjad, he waited his host's return till the day broke and the sun rose. When he saw that he came not, he exclaimed, There is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Would I knew what this is become of him. And as he sat musing, behold, he heard the crier proclaiming Badur's sentence and bidding the people to see the spectacle of his hanging at midday. Whereat he wept and exclaimed, Verily we are Allah's, and to him we are returning. He meaneth to sacrifice himself unjustly for my sake, when I it was who slew her. By Allah this shall never be. Then he went from the saloon, and shutting the door after him, hurriedly threaded the streets till he overtook Badur, when he stood before the chief of police and said to him, O my lord, put not Badur to death, for he is innocent. By Allah none killed her but I. Now when the captain of police heard these words, he took them both, and carrying them before the king, acquainted him with what Amjad had said. Whereupon he looked at the prince, and asked him, Didst thou kill the damsel? He answered, Yes. And the king said, Tell me why thou killedst her, and speak the truth. Replied Amjad, O king, it is indeed a marvelous event, and a wondrous matter that hath befallen me. Were it graven with needles on the eye-corners, it would serve as a warner to whoso would be warned. Then he told him his whole story, and informed him of all that had befallen him and his brother, first and last, whereat the king was much startled and surprised, and said to him, Know that now I find thee to be excusable, but list, O youth, wilt thou be my wazir? Hearkening and obedience, answered Amjad whereupon the king bestowed magnificent dresses of honor on him and Bedur, and gave him a handsome house, with eunuchs, and officers, and all things needful, appointing him stipends and allowances, and bidding him make search for his brother Assad. So Amjad sat down, invested, and deposed, and took, and gave. Moreover, he sent out a crier to cry his brother throughout the city, and for many days made proclamation in the main streets and market streets, but heard no news of Assad, nor happened on any trace of him. Such was his case. But as regards his brother, the Magi ceased not to torture Assad night and day, and even mourn for a whole year's space, till their festival drew near, when the old man Baram made ready for the voyage, and fitted out a ship for himself. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and thirty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Baram, the Magian, 
having fitted out a ship for the voyage, took Assad and put him in a chest which he locked and had it transported on board. Now it so came to pass that, at the very time of shipping it, Amjad was standing to divert himself by looking upon the sea. And when he saw the men carrying the gear and shipping it, his heart throbbed and he called to his pages to bring him his beast. Then, mounting with a company of his officers, he rode down to the seaside and halted before the Magian ship, which he commanded his men to board and search. They did his bidding, and boarded the vessel and rummaged in every part, but found nothing. So they returned and told Amjad, who mounted again and rode back. But he felt troubled in mind, and when he reached his place and entered his palace, he cast his eyes on the wall and saw written thereon two lines which were these couplets. My friends, if ye are banished from mine eyes, from heart and mind ye ne'er go wandering. But ye have left me in my woe, and rob, rest from my eyelids while ye are slumbering. And seeing them, Amjad thought of his brother and wept. Such was his case. But as for Baram, the Magian, he embarked and shouted and bawled to his crew to make sail in all haste. So they shook out the sails, and departed, and ceased not to fare on many days and nights. And every other day Baram took out Assad, and gave him a bit of bread, and made him drink a sup of water, till they drew near the mountain of fire. Then there came out on them a storm-wind, and the sea rose against them, so that the ship was driven out of her course till she shook a wrong line, and fell into strange waters. And at last they came in sight of a city builded upon the shore, with a castle whose windows overlooked the main. Now the ruler of this city was a queen called Marjana, and the captain said to Baram, O my lord, we have strayed from our course, and come to the island of Queen Marjana, who is a devout Muslama, and if she knew that we are Magians, she will take our ship and slay us to the last man. Yet needs must we put in here to rest and refit. Quoth Baram, Right is thy wrecking, what shall thou seest fit that I will do? Said the shipmaster, If the queen summon us and question us, how shall we answer her? And Baram replied, Let us clothe this Moslem we have with us in a Mameluke's habit, and carry him ashore with us, so that when the queen sees him, she will suppose and say, This is a slave. As for me, I will tell her that I am a slave-dealer who buys and sells white slaves, and that I had with me many but have sold all save this one, whom I retain to keep my accounts, for he can read and write. And the captain said, This device should serve. Presently they reached the city and slackened sail and cast the anchors, and the ship lay still, when, behold, Queen Marjana came down to them, attended by her guards, and halting before the vessel, called out to the captain, who landed and kissed the ground before her. Quoth she, What is the lading of this thy ship, and who hast thou with thee? Quoth he, O queen of the age, I have with me a merchant who dealeth in slaves. And she said, Hither with him to me. Whereupon Baram came ashore to her, and with Assad walking behind him in a slave's habit, and kissed the earth before her. She asked, What is thy condition? And he answered, I am a dealer in chattels. Then she looked at Assad, and taking him for a mameluke, asked him, What is thy name? O youth, he answered, Dost thou ask my present or my former name? Hast thou then two names? inquired she, and he replied, and indeed his voice was choked with tears. Yes, my name aforetime was Al-Assad, 
the most happy, but now it is Al-Mutar, Messiramus. Her heart inclined to him, and she said, Canst thou write? Yes, answered he, and she gave him ink-case, and reed-pen, and paper, and said to him, Write somewhat, that I may see it. So he wrote these two couplets. What can the slave do when pursued by fate? O oh, justice judge, whatever be his state, whom God throws hand bound into the depths and says, Beware, lest water should thy body wet. Now when she read these lines, she had wrath upon him, and said to Baram, Sell me this slave. He replied, O oh, my lady, I cannot sell him, for I have parted with all the rest, and none is left with me but he. Quoth the queen, I must need have him of thee, either by sale or way of gift. But quoth Baram, I will neither sell him nor give him. Whereat she was wroth, and, taking Asad by the hand, carried him up to the castle, and sent to Baram, saying, Except thou set sail and depart our city this very night, I will seize all thy goods and break up thy ship. Now when the message reached the Magian, he grieved with sore grief, and cried, Verily this voyage is on no wise to be commended. Then he arose, and made ready, and took all he needed, and awaited the coming of the night to resume his voyage, saying to the sailors, Provide yourselves with your things, and fill your water-skins, that we may set sail at the last of the night. So the sailors did their business, and awaited the coming of darkness. Such was their case. But as regards Queen Marjana, when she had brought Asad into the castle, she opened the casements overlooking the sea, and bade her handmaids bring food. They set food before Asad and herself, and both ate, after which the queen called for wine. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 39 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3. Recording by Christian Plasberg of Winchester, Virginia, and ChristianPlasberg.com.